I'm Larry Winkleman with Red Eye Ranch and Debor L Farms in Dinebox, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad you've taken time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. You know the drill. Jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, USDA increases U.S. cotton production again. Of course, you may be wondering, after the horrible cotton crop we've had here in Texas, where in the world is USDA getting more cotton from? We'll take a look at that question coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. When it becomes time for Texas High Plains ranchers to begin rebuilding their herds, getting the right animals for our region's resources is something to think about. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The 61st Annual Black Land Income Growth Conference was held in Waco this week, along with the Mid-Tex Farm and Ranch Show. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll be reporting from the big conference on nitrogen levels for farmers and ranchers as they enter a new growing season in 2023. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA released the latest crop production and supply and demand reports on Thursday, showing an increase in the size of the 2022 U.S. cotton crop. The overall number came in at 14.7 million bales, much higher than the pre-report estimates. That's a 438,000 bale increase. Texas A&M cotton marketing specialist John Robinson says that increase is a bit of a head-scratcher. The U.S. numbers are a bit of a puzzle to me. Um, It is perhaps bad-looking to have a healthy increase in production, which we had 440,000 more bales of production compared to the previous months, coupled with a cut in exports that, to me, sort of reinforces the weak demand story if we have more exportable surpluses, but but we're not. This is the fourth increase on USDA's estimate in the past five months. But when you dig into the report, USDA actually did cut cotton acreage, but they raised yields. They cut harvested acres by 440,000. 440,000 fewer harvested acres, you know, could well be a reflection of what a lot of us have been waiting for. You know, where are you going to account for late, abnormally late and abnormally large harvest time crop insurance adjustments, shredding of low yielding fields that previously NAS was counting into the production number? Well, they took those acres out, but they raised yield, harvested yield per acre by 79 pounds, which is a large month to month adjustment. And that brought us to a record level national average yield of 947 pounds. Per acre. The cotton market reacted to the report by dropping 150 to 222 points Thursday. 
The Texas A&M Forest Service is warning of increased wildfire danger this week as dry and windy conditions are in the forecast. Much of Texas is still dealing with some level of drought, and we have a cold front moving through the state that will increase winds. In West Texas, areas most at risk include communities around Amarillo, Childress, Lubbock, San Angelo, Wichita Falls, Abilene, and Eastland. As the front moves through the state, areas of Central and South Texas will be at risk for fires, including areas around Waco, San Antonio, Austin, Victoria, Kingsville, Brownsville, and McAllen. The Forest Service is strategically positioning personnel and equipment in those areas of concern to quickly respond to any fires. Texas farmers and ranchers are trying to get home now after attending the American Farm Bureau Convention in Puerto Rico this week. Despite the airline mishaps happening right now, Texas Farm Bureau President and South Texas farmer Russell Baining says the convention wrapped up with a very successful voting delegate session. Gary Joyner has more from the convention. This is Gary Joyner. I'm in Puerto Rico where the business session of the American Farm Bureau Federation annual meeting has just concluded. I'm joined by Texas Farm Bureau President Russell Baining of Wilson County. President Baining, a lot of issues important to agriculture on the floor today and in particular to Texas. Some of the topics uh, your delegation was interested in today. Well, we had uh, uh, several national resolutions here, uh, Gary, that were important. Uh, we had we had several on uh, on climate, what we call carbon carbon credits and carbon sequestration, and uh, we got most of those into the book. Uh, most of those passed. Uh, we actually had a really good day on all of our uh, uh, on all of our resolutions, but uh, we had we had some there and on different parts. We I think we had some on transportation as well, uh, but uh, it, it was a good discussion today. These resolutions that were heard today from Texas actually originated back in Texas, correct? That's correct. Well, as uh, uh, our Farm Bureau members know, uh, we have our annual meeting in early December. Uh, we discuss, first of all, state policies uh, that go in our state book. And if those pass, well, they're, they're in our state book. But if we pass a na- national resolution, it has to go through the national resolution process. How does Texas uh, rank in terms of representation here on the delegate floor? We are uh, the third largest uh, state by membership. Uh, so we're, we're a, uh, one of the larger states. Uh, only uh, Tennessee and uh, North Carolina have more delegates on the floor. We have, a no- we have a total of 28 delegates on the floor. Some of your delegates were here for the first time, maybe experiencing this process for the first time. You remember the first time you sat on this floor and saw what it is all about? I do, I do, and, and I got uh, uh, some of the same feedback today from folks that were here for the first time it, back when I did it. It's, it's, it's eye-opening, it's, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, it's from all 50 states in Puerto Rico, and, uh, you know, what, what really might work really well in Texas or in Mississippi might not work so well in Wisconsin or Michigan. So you have to take those things into account as you go through policy development. The mood of the group as a whole, a lot of important issues on the horizon, a new farm bill, important decisions in terms of agricultural policy. How would you describe the mood of the group? Well, I think the mood was 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 good. The mood was was uh, uh, there was excitement about the new farm bill. Uh, at, at the same time, um, cautious optimism because of a lot of talk of uh, uh, climate change, climate smart practices, sustainability, different you know different terms like that thrown around, and folks are just a little bit. Um, I guess you could use the word concerned about how those are going to play into uh, the farm bill. But I think our policy is ready to address those issues. 
What happens to the ideas supported here on this floor? What happens till next? Well, the ideas that pass today go into our national policy book. Uh, and it gives us as uh, leaders in, in American Farm Bureau, it gives staff of American Farm Bureau a roadmap uh, to work on the next farm bill, to work on things that affect us and the regulatory uh, issues. Whatever it is that affects uh, our farmers and ranchers, the things that pass today give us that roadmap so we know what we need to support, what we might need to oppose. That's Russell Boehning, president of the Texas Farm Bureau. I'm Gary Joyner in Puerto Rico at the American Farm Bureau Federation annual meeting for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. When the time comes to rebuild Texas cattle herds, getting the right animals to match your resources is something to think about. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. Today, we continue our conversation with Dr. Jennifer Kojal of the Texas Tech Vet School in Amarillo on the topic of what to think about when rebuilding a cattle herd. Dr. Kojal says weaning weights is an important consideration. Weaning weight is something that we need to really balance. We can't have super heavy weaning weights thinking that cows are going to wean off super heavy calves without a detriment to themselves. And so we're really looking for a fine balance there. And part of what Dr. Kojal means by balance is making sure you purchase cows whose nutritional needs are in line with what the Texas High Plains can provide. We're a semi-arid region. We don't want to put a lot of feed and hay into that. Those are quite expensive. And so a small frame cow is not something that the market really loves. A large frame cow, we just have to put too many resources into her. And so it's a little bit of Goldilocks. We like them just right in the middle. And when advising ranchers to look for what she calls moderate-framed animals, Dr. Kojal says there's a pretty good variety to choose from. We can see a lot of Angus Charlay crosses that can be more moderately framed. Black baldies sure can't be beat in this region. So we traditionally think of Angus and Herford, but we can certainly think about some crossbreds too. Once again, that was Dr. Jennifer Kojal with the Texas Tech University School of Veterinary Medicine in Amarillo. And on the topic of restocking, coming up on Wednesday, January 18th, Texas A&M AgriLife is offering the Rebuilding Your Herd and Pasture Seminar in Dumas. That's 8.30 a.m. next Wednesday at the Moore County Community Building in Dumas. Call AgriLife for more details. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The 2022 drought may cause some Texas farmers to consider new cropping systems and management strategies. Tom Nicoletti has the story from Central Texas. I'm reporting today from the 61st Annual Blackland Income Growth Conference in Waco. My guest is Dr. Ronnie Schnell. He is Extension Specialist with the Texas AgriLife Extension uh, Service in College Station, and he spoke to a number of farmers and ranchers uh, about uh, what to do during uh, the drought, which uh, a lot of Texas is still in. Your emphasis was on the nitrogen levels that farmers should apply to their fields when it comes to corn and green sorghum. What's your main message out there? We want to start with a soil test moving into this year. With a drought year last year, possibility that we have some residual nitrogen from the previous year. If we look at the value of, of that nitrogen this year, it's, it's probably higher than it's been in a really, really long time. Soil testing and deducting that from our fertilizer budget this year. The next thing for nitrogen is we need to set a realistic yield goal at an appropriate level so that we're not really pushing the yield potential for that field when we have uncertain weather conditions and high fertilizer prices. Final thought I had on nitrogen today was should we consider split applying our fertilizer nitrogen? A lot of folks tend to apply all the fertilizer nitrogen early in the season, if not even before planting. If we split apply that nitrogen, it gives us the opportunity to evaluate the growing 
growing season, current weather conditions, and the forecast moving forward and decide, do we want to be aggressive and apply more nitrogen or do we want to save some money taking into consideration the actual yield potential that we have? We have seen that we can split apply some of our nitrogen as late as tasseling and not reduce our yield potential. That is Dr. Ronnie Chanel. He is with the Texas AgriLife Extension Service. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is asking people to weigh in on a plan that could eventually lead to the delisting of the Mexican long-nosed bat as endangered. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. And most mayors here in Texas are reaching their last trimester of pregnancy. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Most mayors here in Texas are reaching their last trimester of pregnancy. Dr. Bob Judd says some nutritional changes should occur at this time. At this point in the mayor's pregnancy, we need to be increasing her nutritional plane. Most of the fetal growth occurs in the last trimester of pregnancy, and the mare must eat enough nutrients to maintain her needs and the needs of the fetus, as well as support mammary development. Adequate forage should be the basis of all horse rations, and broodmares are no different. Dr. Janice Jollin indicates in the horse publication that forage not only provides nutrients, but fermentation produces heat that helps in maintaining body temperature in colder months. Mares should receive a minimum of 1% of body weight per day, or 10 pounds, for a 1,000-pound mare. Most mares can receive enough nutrition through good quality forage alone by eating 20 to 30 pounds per day for most of the pregnancy. However, as the size of the fetus increases, it decreases the ability of the mare to eat a large amount, so a concentrate designed for pregnant mares is required. And make sure the concentrate is fed at the appropriate rate by following the label recommendations to prevent nutritional imbalances and deficiencies. As far as hay, it is important to make sure the hay is good quality and a grass hay with some lagoon content plus some concentrates will likely meet the nutritional requirements of most broodmares even in late gestation. Before purchasing hay, always get a feed analysis if the hay producer has not already had testing performed. Although we don't have a lot of fescue in Texas, make sure any hay you import from other states does not contain fescue, as this will decrease milk production in lactating mares and can lead to delayed parturition, retained placenta, and birth of a dismature foal. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is asking for the public's input on a plan affecting the Mexican long-nosed bat. Jessica Domel has the story in today's Wildlife Report. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is asking the public to weigh in on a draft recovery plan for the Mexican long-nosed bat. The bat, which measures up to 3.75 inches, is grayish-brown and has a long muzzle and tongue. They are important pollinators and feed on the nectar of more than 50 species of plants. 
The bats spend their spring and summer roosting in maternity colonies in high-elevation caves and mines in West Texas and southwest New Mexico. The Mexican long-nosed bat is listed as endangered under the Endangered Species Act as loss of food resources and disturbance by humans have contributed to a range-wide decline in their population. According to FWS, the draft revised recovery plan aims to ensure conservation and long-term viability of the bat in the wild so that it no longer requires protections under the ESA. The recovery plan is not regulatory. Instead, FWS says it provides a framework for the recovery of the species. The strategy involves preserving, restoring, and managing the bat's habitat, along with the resources necessary to support resilient populations of the species and the ecosystems they depend on. There are several objectives. They include effective protection and management of known critical roosts, providing adequate food resources through protection of foraging habitat, and restoration and management of agave habitat. FWS will accept public comment on the proposal through March 7th. You can review the proposal and comment on ecos.fws.gov. There, search for Mexican long-nosed bat. Again, that's ecos.fws.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cattle and cotton lower on Thursday, grains sharply higher. We'll check out all of Thursday's market action coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now... We're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. USDA released its latest crop production and supply and demand report Thursday morning. That caused the grain markets to move higher, and as a result, that caused the cattle markets to move lower. February live cattle down 20 cents, closing at 157.55. April down 40, 160.92. Feeder cattle also lower in Thursday's trade. January feeders down a dollar, 182.12. March feeder cattle down a dollar 27, 184.27. Cash-fed cattle market still mostly quiet on Thursday. About the only reports of sales we had was up at Iowa. They sold cattle on a live basis at 158. Dressed cattle sold as high as 254. Feedlots here in Texas asking 158 to 159 this week. Boxed beef prices lower Thursday choice down 261 at 278.12. Select down a dollar three, 257.07. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My friend Henry Pickett, who's a good George West boy, owns and operates Abilene Livestock. They sell every Tuesday. I spoke with Henry this morning about how that sale went. Henry? Ended up pretty well. Uh, ended up with right at a little under 1300 with 320 cows. Uh, all classes of cattle were probably 2 to $5 higher, especially on the lighter wean cattle. We had some 400-pound steers to bring up the five and some 350-pound wean 
cattle that uh, bring upwards of 240, and their heifer mates bring in 210, and the 400-pound weaned heifers were bringing right at two dollars so it was pretty good pretty good and packard cows and bulls were steady to two dollars higher all right the keeper kind of cows what did you have in that regard we had some four and five year old uh pairs that bring around 1600 and then we had some four and five year old uh six months or longer bred they bring upwards to 12 1400 did you manage to keep some of the cattle local uh i think all the, the younger cows stayed here locally good good that's good well what do you anticipate for next week henry Oh, we've had a few calls. I uh, don't really know right at the time, but we've had two or three ranches call, and each of them got 25 or 30 apiece, so it looks like they're still coming to town. Good. Good start to a great sale this next Tuesday at Abilene Livestock. Henry Pickett, tell everybody how to contact. Here at the barn, we can be reached at 325-673-7865, or my cell number is 940-733-8208. Thanks for being on the program. We appreciate the call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble from the Rolling Plains, reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished lower Thursday. February hogs down 55 cents, 78.75. Class 3 milk also lower. February milk down 42 cents, 18.87 a hundredweight. USDA increased U.S. cotton production up to 14.7 million bales and increased yield up to a record 947 pounds an acre. That caused the cotton market to drop. March cotton down 222 points at 82.04. New crop December cotton down 15 at 80.08. USDA cut the corn crop here in the U.S. to 13.73 billion, the lowest in three years. They also cut ending stocks down to $1.242 billion. That caused a big jump in the corn market. March corn up 15 cents, 671. September corn up 7.5 at 613 a bushel. Same story in the wheat market. USDA reduced ending stocks. That caused March Kansas City wheat to climb 12 and 3 quarters, 835 a bushel. March Chicago wheat was up two and three quarters, seven forty-two and three quarters. In the energy markets, February natural gas up two cents at three sixty-nine. February West Texas crude up eighty-three cents, seventy-eight twenty-four a barrel. The financial markets were higher Thursday afternoon. The Dow up two hundred sixteen points, thirty-four thousand one eighty-nine. The Nasdaq up sixty-nine at eleven thousand oh oh one. The S and P up thirteen points, three thousand nine eighty-three. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.